Hey everyone, welcome to episode 189 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of North Carolina, and also, I know you're in the Philippines, I don't know where exactly in the Philippines you are, but we are joined today by Nick Price as our guest. How's it going? What's up? Um, I just want to like clear it up right away that I am not Nick Prince. Um, it's it's just happened a lot, <laughs> and it's it's still pretty funny no matter how many times it happens. But yeah, I am Nick Price from the Philippines. My my favorite part yeah. is when whenever someone mixes up the two of you on Twitter, Nick Prince will be like, "No, no, no you probably meant like the really good Magic player, Nick Price." <laughs> He's like, oh, because <laughs> well, because I do the same thing, but for him. So I guess the Knicks just respect each other a lot. Okay. Makes sense. Some some cross continental, you know, magic appreciation. Yeah, I mean, like the the story about how how we met is like pretty funny. I guess it's like kind of a, a decent introduction into to how I like joined the competitive magic community. So I had qualified for my first uh, pro tour, or it was it was Mythic Championship two, I guess it was in London, and I had qualified through Magic Online. So I was like pretty stoked about that. That was my first like uh, pro level event. So I. I went to London. I, I like my mom came with me. It was like a whole vacation. It was the first time I had been outside Asia, and so I was at the event, just like excited out of my mind. I, I ended up going like two and six on day one, but I didn't care because it was like the most fun I'd had at, at any event. Like I'd never had more fun losing. And so at the player <laughs> meeting, uh, you know, they seat you alphabetically. So, so I see that there's like there's Nicholas Price and there's Nick Prince. And so we, we sit across from each other. And I can't remember if I had heard of him before on, on Twitter or something. But, like, you know, we just made the joke that, hey, like, we're, we're, we're named twins. And we sat across from each other and we just, like, kind of shared our deck lists. Because that was the first event with, like, open deck lists in, in Constructed. And then I, I found out that, like, I, I followed him on Twitter after. And, like, he had, he had tweeted that, like, there's someone in this event named Nick Price. And I had also heard that that um, he was when he was on the game podcast, uh, Brian Gottlieb had introduced him as Nick Price. So <laughs> like the first time that we actually got confused was when no one knew I existed. <laughs> so it's it's just been happening since then, and you know it, it's been pretty fun to to make that joke. Even though I know that there are certain there are people in the magic community who actually have the same name. Like without the extra letter or anything, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. So we got you on the podcast today because one thing that we're trying to do a little more, uh, especially during the pandemic, which, you know, we're kind of late to starting this particular plan, but you know, the conceit of the podcast in its like original incarnation was, Hey, we're going to focus on the SCG tour. We are at these tournaments every single weekend. So we can like talk about our testing and then report back afterward. Mm -hmm. That all went out the window at the beginning of the pandemic, still playing magic, but relatively just playing the things that I want to play in. And I'm not testing for big events every weekend. So we were hoping to start leaning more towards getting guests that are qualified for the big events each particular weekend as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so you are playing in the call time set championship. And so we were just hoping that you could come in and give us some insight into standard and historic and the testing process. And also just kind of give us a little bit of a feel for like tournament prep, what it's like playing in these tournaments, because we don't, we don't really know, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to get into it. Like just, just ask away. Uh, I also real quick. I wonder if 
-hmm. Like, I don't know your breakdown of how you like the formats, but I wonder if you miss limited being part of the Pro Tour. Um, well, I, I really, I, I think limited is my, is my favorite format. Pretty much the form of magic. I play the most is actually draft on magic online. So I've been doing that like consistently since I started on Magic Online with with Kaladesh, um, and I used to really be excited to watch the limited portions of Pro Tours. But by the time I quali- I qualified for for the Mythic Championship in London, um, that was there was War of the Spark draft. But after that, like in my subsequent events, like they had already kind of gotten rid of limited. So I I do miss it, and I wish that I do I, I wish that I were able to play more high level limited because I really enjoy it. But I'm kind of just happy to be qualified for for these events and i generally have a high tolerance for formats like i loved playing uro i loved playing omnath you know omnath mirrors were were like kind of my favorite thing to be doing um in competitive magic at the time so yeah i mean it would be great if if they brought it back so you play a ton of magic online these days right Mm -hmm. like i've seen I, I've seen Inixdrad all over the place on Magic Online stuff. How how did you qualify for this set championship? How have you been qualifying for tournaments uh, overall? So for for this tournament, I I I qualified because I finished. Let me see if I get this right. The first time I finished in the top sixteen uh, challengers in the previous set championship. So what what that means is that I was one of the top sixteen players who weren't in MPL arrivals. So that qualified me for the next event. I guess that was the same as going like was it like 10 5 or something in in like a pro tour so something like that or 11 and 5. I, I don't I don't know, but I, I basically like am on the train right now. And yeah, as yeah. much as as much as the train yeah. exists yeah, like, outside well, of being It's in kind arrivals. of like one of those like like things that you like <laughs> you like press up and down and like it's like like traveling slowly along the track. Um, <laughs> little, little trolleys <laughs> like a looney tunes thing yeah yeah exactly so so i mean i've been like kind of scrapping to qualify for these events um i qualified for my first one at the last uh, magic online rptq which is part of the reason why like i'm still so in love with with that crappy old client <laughs> i qualified for my second one at like a paper ptq that was the one that where they had the three events and i went to nagoya for that i qualified for the next one at by by finishing in like top four of the the SCG like season ender, and then I qualified for Zendikar by f- winning a Ma- a Magic Online Championship Series showcase challenge, and then I qualified for this one by doing well in the last one. So like I- I've managed to like hold on to the <laughs> to the to the trolley <laughs> as much as I can, which is a lot of work. Right. You you like played seven different types of events to qualify for each of the different types of. Pro tours you've been to it's like that's a lot of work yeah i mean it, it was definitely helped by the fact that i um i didn't have a job like for most of the past year i was like in a pretty fun and interesting job i was a i was like an editor for a video game a local video game company and that was like kind of my dream because I've, i'd always wanted to work in gaming um but that didn't work out and i used that opportunity to spend like 2020 just being a professional magic player not in the sense that i was supported by wizards but that i basically earned money by playing magic events and it it worked out and i'm still trying to do as much of that as i can but i did like i did get a job (laughs) at the start of the year and hopefully i can continue doing both that's awesome what are you doing now i know you're working on east coast time which made this very easy for us to to 
connect with you and, and record. But yeah. uh, what are you up to now? Um, I, I got a job writing uh, for a, a newish uh, magic site. It's called MTG Rock. So I'm doing news and strategy for them. So I'm also glad that I was able to get a job that um, is still related to gaming and magic. Yeah, that's awesome. Congrats. So, I mean, you are, you know, you're in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. That has traditionally been an extremely tough place to pursue this sort of lifestyle from yep um you know things are a little bit different these days but i i was wondering if you wanted to speak to that at all so i i will like start off by saying that you know the pandemic has been like incredibly difficult for everyone and i've definitely felt the effects of it and it you know like i, I just can't understate how awful it's been but at the same time <laughs> i i wouldn't be able to to be qualified for these events without, you know, the the end of paper magic as we know it and the shift to online events. Yeah, like, um, it's something that like I try not to bring up a lot because I know that uh, people, like especially the people who'd be listening to this, were like very badly affected by by um, moving magic to primarily arena. But being from the Philippines, where at most maybe two people from here qualified for a a pro tour, it's just it's just I'm making the most of a bad situation by using the opportunity to qualify through these online events. Well, and and I think that that's actually one thing that is kind of important for people to recognize too. Like the thing where, oh no, now there aren't any in-person paper events. Like I don't get to play PTQs and travel around with my friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that isn't that far from the normal reality for non like North America, EU countries anyways, there aren't like the, the opportunities to play paper magic that we've lost. Like most of them don't exist in other countries anyways. So I, I don't think that it is like out of line to appreciate that online play is a little more egalitarian globally speaking and, and gives opportunities to people that have just been denied them in the past. I think that's actually one of the best parts of the, the shift towards online play. We don't talk about it a lot because I mean, we live in the States, right? So we're, mm-hmm. we're really focused on paper magic previously and we didn't, we weren't as affected by this stuff, but it is huge that all these places that didn't have, the that the great access to qualifying tournaments just have it now because it's all online yeah for for sure i mean i think that it's been great especially for people um i guess i've noticed that more people from japan and south america have been doing really well on like the scg circuit and they've been taking advantage of the other organizers like insight and i think i i I even saw like people outside of north america doing well at at the lotus box events that that i kind of you know started with started doing by doing well in Mm -hmm. so i i i'm glad that organizers have sort of followed uh lotus box by having more opportunities for people to play on arena like from anywhere i I mean we've seen it with the mana traders tournaments just as much as oh, everything yeah. else. I, like, I, I've been joining those. I mean, the 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 one barrier to break down a little bit is that, like, everything is still on North America time for, mm-hmm. like, the vast majority of these tournaments. But one day. Yeah, I mean, like, um, baby steps. <laughs> so should we get into, like, the formats and testing for this PT and, like, what, what you expect to happen at the tournament? Uh, I, you know, have not prepared for any of these types of tournaments so i'd I'd be interested in seeing how different it is from other ones and um 
who you were testing with and that sort of thing. This is kind of the first one of these that I've been able to prepare prepare for with a large group. Um, for my past events, like I was either preparing with with my local team or with a f just a few people that I had met and been able to work with. Uh, but this time I I locked into an invite to a Discord with about twenty other people, including Austin Bersovich, Arne Hushenbeth, uh Sam Rolf, who got me into that Discord um, after we met, like. On the on the Magic Online circuit, Thoralf Severin, just like just these like insane Magic players, uh, Simon Nielsen, and just a bunch of others that I'm not going to be able to to rattle off here. Yeah, that's a lot of really strong players for sure. Yeah, so it was really my first time kind of preparing with actual like other pros, and I like definitely learned a lot about how to approach testing, and like also like I I kind of identified like these glaring flaws in my game that that I'm sort of now that i'm aware of i can work on hmm, like how, yeah, how do you want to so curious yeah. i i want to i want to know what the glaring flaws you've identified and how you're going to work on them that like that's that's interesting to me oh uh, yeah it, it's really funny because um um I, I i tested a lot with uh with simon because i ended up being on his standard deck i when we'll, we'll get to that later but uh while we were testing he he like he messaged me and he said that like i wanted he wanted to test against rogues and he said that are you good at playing rogues and like it, it was such like it's it's kind of a like a simple question like he, I I should know how to answer that but when he asked me that I just got like filled with with self doubt because like you know like one of the the most recognizable and skilled pro tour players from the last like three to five years is asking me like are you good enough for me to learn something by testing against you and I'm sure he didn't mean it like that he just meant that like you know are you going to be comfortable playing our you know the deck we chose against rogues but just like it just made me think about like how how much on like really am I thinking about my plays about what I'm playing around so it was just interesting because uh, um I, I guess like the the main flaw that I I I identified from testing with all these great players. It's just that it's just that I don't I don't play around things as much as I should. Um, I usually either come down on, on either side if they have it or they don't have it, and then I play accordingly. But I'm very bad at like placing myself like in the spectrum of like, well, they might like they they seem like they have this, but they could also have this, and finding that kind of compromise play. Because like when mm -hmm. it works out, I look like really lucky, and or I look amazing. You know, I look super skilled but when it doesn't work out i just like bomb out of the tournament or you know so right. like you, you've left yourself completely cold to them having it because you decided they didn't have it yeah yeah so that that's like that's the, really the main takeaway that i learned and that i'm going to be trying to improve um well i guess at, like during and after this event just like knowing when to make that in-between play that kind of leaves you like a little bit ahead or just less behind if they do have the thing Gotcha. Cool. You mentioned that you have learned a lot of things about like the testing process. Is there any like specific thing that you have taken away that you can think of right now? Um, I mean, I don't know how like I don't know how it was done before, you know, in the before times because like I only really start preparing in the age of Discord. But um, I think what I learned that I would take with me moving forward is that it's difficult to to put a lot of restrictions on your testing. Like I, I had imagined that how testing would go is that we'd have like a set time per day. Like, um, you know, if you want to be test, you come into the calls like in between this time and this time and we'll test X matchup. So I thought that there would be more structure to it. But then I realized that like when you're 
when you're trying to put that many restrictions or you're trying to structure it in that way you're not really motivating people to do their best because like if if you tell me that you you need me to practice a certain deck then i might feel like i'm doing it just because i have to and not because that's the thing i'm most interested in so i i saw that like we had a kind of open door policy where you could just post that you were looking for math like we had a chan we have a channel where we're saying like I'm looking to play this deck against this deck and whoever's free will just post that I can do that in like ten minutes. And because of that, I think um and also just because everyone on the on the Discord just had like a lot of mutual respect, I guess. Like there were multiple people in the calls every day just working on like different archetypes and I like I was able to learn so much from that just by watching people play and hearing them discuss their thought process behind card choices and like matchups. I'm, I'm curious, is this when you're like testing matches and other people are hopping in calls, is this like a free for all thing where someone shares their screen and then everyone just yells plays or do you like wait until the match is over and discuss? <laughs> well, so I, I mean, I, I've been in calls in other discords that are li- like that. And I think that's helped me too. But I, I did notice that um, in this, in this group, generally people are more willing to observe until you until you ask or until unless they notice something that's you know incredibly egregious um which i i i'm sure i committed mistakes like that several times oh <laughs> uh, so it's like you know like i want to keep this hand that's really sketchy so i'll ask like sh- you know well, what do y'all think and then they'll just be like uh i i think you can keep that or you know they're not going to be like oh yeah I'd, I'd snap keep that so it's it's pretty collaborative that, that resonates with me because that's usually my style of uh watching friends play games i won't really say anything till like it's almost too late for me to stop them <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean in my like because i'm i'm like also with a with a team swagoy um that's like mm-hmm. the team that i'm affiliated with even when i'm not not testing i'm like we're like that in that discord it's like we're we're just screaming feedback <laughs> and you're like why did you play that land you know and that's also fine. So should we start getting into the actual formats themselves and, and what you came up with? And I, I mean, I don't know what, I know deck lists have already been submitted, so hopefully there's there's not too much that, that needs to be kept secret, but I know that, you know, we don't need to go deep into specific sideboard plans or anything like that, that, you know, you don't want to give away. But I would be really interested in hearing like, what the big takeaways of the the formats are from your testing and where you ended up in 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 each format uh yes i guess like standard is the top eight format so that might be like more more relevant so we can we can start with that more relevant in the sense that like it'd be useful useful for the few people who actually know that there's a uh that there's a set championship happening this weekend (laughs) (laughs) honestly nothing too surprising came out of like our metagame analysis, and I say metagame analysis, but I actually mean just like people discussing the format like day after day in the call. And it's it was pretty much just a Sotai Sotai Ultimatum is the best deck, and like you want like the decks that we wanted to play should have a good matchup against Sotai, and then it's like good versus Sotai, and then good versus everything else. And if you wanted to be good versus Sotai, you'd probably have to fix your sideboard to be better against everything else or you could play a deck that maybe wasn't that great or was even against Sultai but beat like all the all the creature decks so it's I don't like we don't think or I don't think that it's going to be like overwhelmingly the best deck like we're not going to see like 30 or 40 percent Sultai but I I do think that a lot of the good players will just realize that nothing beats it reliably enough for them to play something else so I, I would say 
it it'll be the most played deck by like five to ten percent or something. But if, honestly, there's gonna be a really good mix of decks because they've done a good job of banning everything until <laughs> different strategies are playable. So we're gonna see we're gonna see the fruits of that uh, at this tournament. I hope. Well, so I do have like kind of a list of specific questions to run down, and we do not have to hit all of them. Yeah, They're of just course. sort of like a guiding you know framework for for the discussion here but i am interested like what so you know decks that you feel are good against sultai but then would need to get tweaked against the other stuff like where are we starting there what what has felt good and maybe could get tweaked to you know if this is level one of what to do with the format what where was your level one it it kind of came down to like two things you could do is or is like you could you could build you could build your deck in such a way like you could build different decks in such a way that they could beat Sultai. And like two examples of that were were uh like playing a rogues list, like a Demir Rogues list that had maybe two extra counter spells in the main deck instead of uh removal spells. So like that that really helped the Sultai matchup because you know, if, if you were able to counter the first ultimatum, you had like a lot more time um until they could do the next one. Or or you know, you could like set it up so that you could counter multiple ultimatums in a row. And then from there, you just have to worry to not overcommit into Shadow's Verdict or Extinction Event. And another example is like um, you could build your Toski deck in such a way that you could uh, you could cut the red cards like Bone Crusher Giant and Showdown of the Scalds, which may be like a little bit slower because your main goal when playing that, that type of deck against Soltai was you just needed to attack every turn until they were dead. It also applied to like cycling which we found was like decent against sultai where you could just like pack your sideboard with disdainful strokes and things like that to just make your matchup a little bit better because sultai is we found was extremely weak to counter spells i mean one of the questions that i had and i think that kind of leads right into it because you mentioned the toski deck Mm -hmm. is that so what what was the range of like edgewall innkeeper decks that you thought was playable like is is the toski deck like the one that you felt was reasonable to play or or because there's like eight different sort of iterations of edgewall innkeeper plus adventure guys yeah i'm interested in like what is still actually good in your opinion well when i mentioned like being good against creature decks earlier i i basically meant like against the adventure decks so (laughs) i mean i mean so there's naya adventures there's teamer adventures there's naya adventures that doesn't have the fling package but has the 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 squirrel package so I mean, we kind of focused on that as one of the ways to have a good spread of matchups um, in the format. And I, I actually ended up on on a Naya, a Naya Tokens deck or a Naya Toski deck, you know, refined by Simon Nielsen and I think Tommy Ashton. And like, I'm pretty happy where I ended up there. Um, I had been locked into Rogues for about like three or four days. And, you know, I just like woke up on the, the morning of decklist submission or on the afternoon because submission was at 3 p.m. my time and i just like i just couldn't submit rogues uh because i was i was i was afraid of just like the 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 procession of escape creatures that would like be put into my (laughs) opponent's graveyards in post-board matches so i just settled on what i think was a very strong naya uh tokens list that, that simon worked on i don't think this is giving anything away or anything but like what was the sort of breakdown of the decks that you know the people that you worked with chose were there a lot of people on the same list or did you all like kind of learn lessons together and then come away with your own conclusions or you know what what was your feeling about how how people ended up there well i think i think between the the 20 odd people in the discord i think i think there are going to be like 
three to five decks that people ended up on uh there will be like two decks that a lot of people just you know chose between and then I, I think like the Naya tokens deck for example i think that very few of us are playing it but the people who are playing about it feel like playing it feel very strongly about it and then i think one mm-hmm. or two people will, will just be playing the decks that they they ended up on that they that they you know felt good about so th- there wasn't really a consensus that like we all had to be on Soltai because like thankfully in this format even though Soltai is the best deck like it's by no means like unbeatable like 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 i said like it's pretty weak to counter spells and you know even rogues can beat it just by milling the key cards like you know, you, right. you like <laughs> you you can get them into a spot where you're not gonna mill them out, but they're at 30 cards and they just have no win cons left in their deck, so they need to like MacGyver it with like an Asika's Chariot and a Wolf Willow Haven token. So you know, like the the good decks are beatable and it, it but it's not exploitable in any way. It's just like you have to have a good sideboard and a plan for that matchup. I'm I'm curious how you budgeted your testing time because you said that all the people who registered like night tokens like you did felt pretty strongly about it but you also didn't submit a deck you like switched decks at the last minute so had you been already testing the night token decks along with rogues or like what what happened there yeah so i I mentioned that i started a new job and it was kind of unfortunate uh, because i really wanted to to you know to devote all my time to preparing for the tournament but just you know just how it ended up is that I couldn't I couldn't turn down the job and I'm very you know excited to be doing it but as a result like I couldn't focus on PT testing as much as I could have um so I while I did do a lot of testing on rogues and um Naya or on the various like tokens decks that Simon had worked on like I I actually didn't have time to to go really deep into into Sultai cuz there're just there're just so many decks and I I didn't have time to to focus on all of them so i'm really grateful to the to the team for you know for helping me and like making it so that i could i could learn a lot about the archetypes and contribute by you know just being a, a testing partner when i did have time and one of the benefits of this really early submission deadline is you know you're locked into your deck now you can't question any of your choices and so you can just focus any time that you have left on getting your play patterns to be correct and and playing the deck as best you can over the next couple of days Oh yeah, I, I I I've actually been playing more after I submitted the deck list because like I was just just like I was so anxious about like the deck. It, it honestly like it's probably not like as big a deal as much as as big a deal that as I'm making it out to be because like the format is even enough that like, I could have just submitted something I felt good about. But you know now that I have submitted the decks, I I feel like much less anxious about it, and I'm just happy to 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 play on ladder and prepare for it. But before that, it was just like. I was worried. Like I was worried about submitting the wrong deck. Like I was on cycling for a short period of time, and I had I took it took like some convincing to get me off of that because I just didn't feel comfortable with any other deck. Yeah, and I feel I feel much more comfortable now that I I I know what deck I'm going to play. Like it it that was like eighty percent of the stress, honestly. Your version, Simon's version that you ended up playing. So this is a no-red version of the the tokens Toski deck. This is just like get power and toughness into play, draw cards, get more power and toughness into play. Yeah, I mean there are there are red cards and the you know there are more like red cards in in the sideboard, but it like you know Simon Nielsen likes a good beatdown deck. So like his, I think his his uh his like taste is reflected in the in the deck list. So I'm like, I'm kind of excited to see like how many other 
uh, people on like different teams or whatever decided to submit the deck list and I want to see how many four drops uh, we're gonna find in in the other team lists because we have a, we have like a extremely thick package of four drops in our in our uh, low curve aggro deck. <laughs> it's hard to resist. You've got Toski. There's there's so many good ones in standard. Yeah, I mean, like you don't have to you don't have to choose between Gem Razor, Showdown of the Scalds, and Feldar Retreat and Toski. You can just like just play them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you've got. A, a mana dork in your deck that's that's probably good enough right? oh yeah yeah and, and gem razor like spots you on mana so it's really a three drop <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> perfect i am curious about like gem razor in particular because i have seen that go in and out and sometimes it seems great and sometimes it seems like really medium what do you think makes it good right now so i guess like starting against sultai like it's surprisingly relevant at killing things like wolf willow haven and Asika's chariot I mean, if you ever mutate it, it's it's gonna dodge. Uh, it's gonna dodge uh, eliminate, and so like it, it's just like in a and uh, shadows verdict. So it's just in like a an interesting spot as a way to like mm. go over the top of like some cap blockers or or um, I guess like it, it it disrupts the ramp a little bit. And in in other matchups, it like in the mirror, it just deals with uh, retreat or. Um, I guess showdown it's not as relevant, but it's it's just like a good body that is goes really well on Toski. I mean that that's like an insane combo. Like Toski at that point is basically unkillable, except with a with a um, extinction event. So like we really like we 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 were playing originally like a green white version without any red cards, and that was doing really well against Sultai. And a big part of that was we just had that like extra like extra DPS I guess with the gem razor and when we went back to Naya we we kept the gem razors because it was so good in a lot of the matchups. It gets improbable alliance, it it gives your your non-human trample against the tokens. So it has a lot of applications. It's in a really good spot. Yeah, it's it's been one of those like hey, when it's in a good spot, this card is really good. When it's not, like I don't want it sort of things. Like I remember the the gruel deck that like autumn and emma played at one of the i don't even remember what name the pts were operating under think, at I the time but it was a set championship right yeah might have been that but yeah i think i think you're right uh because it was like brushfire elementals like coming out party or whatever and and yeah like it was just well positioned and it was better than questing beast at the time and it was like a big deal that they figured that out for that particular tournament and so yeah i I definitely like when it has its spots that card is really really important to figure out let's see so i don't know how much you worked on sultai at all or if you like played it as an opponent as a testing partner or whatever i i would be interested in hearing like what is going through the minds of the Sultai players and like what adjustments they are making knowing that they're like enemy number one in this format and everybody is you know like you said at the beginning you can't register a deck unless either you are you feel like you're favored against Sultai or like you feel like you're fine against Sultai and beat literally everything else Mm -hmm. so the Sultai players have to be aware of that I don't know if you can give us any insight into you know what they're doing about that situation yeah well like so I Again, because like I didn't have I I was working I didn't have that much time like I I never really considered Sultai, which I guess is weird because it, it's the best deck I so I didn't I didn't consider it for me because I felt that it loses a lot to itself, um you know it, it loses to not having enough colors of mana it loses to like Wolf Willowhaven getting randomly blown up and you just can't cast your spells, so the people on on like in our team that that played it 
I think um, they adapted some, like, they adopted some cards that I think were just, like, have just been generally adopted, so I think it's fine to talk about that. Like, basically, the most important card to bring in in different matchups is the Gargaroth. Gargaroth is just another card that kind of dodges everything, and it's just so hard to, it's just so hard to kill. And it makes it so that Rogues, for example, has to worry about leaving in Heartless Act, which you you kind of don't want to do that, but if you know if your drowns are gonna to have to kill Gargaroth, Chariot, Counter, Ultimate them, like you're gonna get stretched pretty thin. So, I mean, it, Gargaroth has always been good, but I think the meta game has kind of swung to a point where we're seeing like glass caskets in the sideboard, we're seeing red cap melee, and Gargaroth just like destroys all of that. Doesn't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I know we haven't talked a lot about, like, Sultai on this podcast, so just to, like, update people on the status of it and stuff, I guess. Like, I think all of the good Sultai lists now are Wolf mm-hmm. Willow Haven decks. I think that's mm-hmm. become a really key part of acknowledging, like, yeah, we are a ramp deck. Like, we're not good until we get to at least, like, four or five mana, but then we can actually start casting good spells. Yep, like, you know, Wolf, Haven, Wolf Willow Haven, Cultivate, Binding... Like, it was pretty clear when I was playing the old versions of that deck that every hand with Binding the Old Gods was just so much better than all the other ones. And so they just added... Because it, like, got leaped the bridge between your, like, turn four catch-up play and your, like, do proactive stuff. But when you shift to playing Wolf Little Havens and Cultivates, you can just do stuff far earlier in the game and it's so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, right. that that is pretty much it. Yeah, and, and, like, building it too much like a control deck is a good way to just, like, sap the deck of a lot of its ability to kill people and and play good magic so yeah like you don't even have to build around yorian too much Mm -hmm. like you're just playing a bunch of cards that are good with it anyway right right like you're gonna have binding the old gods in your deck so like that's almost good enough on its own omen and binding like what else do you need yeah the the cadillac is just randomly good with yorian also (laughs) true true (laughs) yeah the the cat uh, yeah that card just like definitely overlooked it a little bit early on but it it has been quite good it it does that nice little like bridging thing where it's like a card advantage engine good with yorian blocks without being just like a a complete dorky vanilla creature that sucks against in the mirror and stuff the card is pretty good yeah if i could find a way to fit that into the naya tokens deck i mean i i just would like it's (laughs) It's it's somehow like the sixth best four drop you can play in that. <laughs> You're deck. already playing five, so right. it's like, just already yeah. five space. <laughs> yeah. And the the problem is that you are forced I mean the the like the standard tokens are very good for that. The cats are, you know, it's it's great art on those tokens. But you know, if we were playing magic in paper, then I believe we'd be seeing all manner of custom Asika's chariot cat tokens and it's a little unfortunate that we don't get that. Yeah. You you mentioned that by creature deck you mean adventure deck. Are we totally off of the monocolored aggro decks at this point in the format? Are they just not playable? Um I so I, I didn't hear much about mono white. Like I, I could just be missing that that the the team thought that it was also a decent option, but like we mostly worried about our mono red matchup. Um I'm not like I'm not sure how much you would want to sideboard differently against mono white or mono red, but but we we kind of did end up trying to test our our decks against mono red. Um, that that is one that is a deck that we wanted to to just at least be aware of. Even though like I I didn't I didn't seriously consider playing it. 
I think that's a good spot to be in. Like even if you're not, you're never gonna play a deck. Just being aware that people will register it and having a plan against it's it's good practice. Yeah, like it's it's just like it's definitely in the pile of like standard decks that are just great right now. But you know, like it's just there are so many good standard decks right now. Like, you know, just if you just take into account that adventures can go in like four different decks, so. We're, I think we're in a good place diversity-wise, but it kind of makes the pain to, to, to test for a, for, a, for a big event. Right, and I mean, you have to shortcut. Like, at, from the beginning, you you were thinking, for, for and I don't know exactly what, what reasoning led you to this, if it's just not the type of deck you like, or if you didn't really like some of its matchups. But, like, from the beginning, you, you just had to be like, I don't think I'm likely to play Mono Red. And unless something big came along, like, you just kind of have to push some stuff out of your you can't have like try every deck on your to-do list like that's too much yeah i mean and like i had the benefit of just people who i trusted and who were better than me just saying that you know they they were considering like two or three different decks so from there you know if 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 you're not sure you can kind of rely on on their range and just like see if like those decks are something that you want to actually focus on cool yeah that makes sense. Well, anything else you want to say about standard? Anything that you learned about the format? Anything that surprised you as you were going through doing your testing? I would 100% have submitted Sultai uh, like a week ago if it had Uro in it. I mean, <laughs> well, <Wow. like, laughs> I, I miss that dude so much. I just, I just got to say it like, and then you'd have the cool like showcase ones on magic arena and you get to play with those. It, it would just oh, be... oh yeah like yeah it breaks my heart i know i know he had to go but i'm just so sad about it still yeah we do pour one out for the people who enjoy playing uru yeah yeah i cast a lot of uros over it unfortunately lifespan. we also have to pour one out for the people playing against uru so it's a really a, a double-edged sword there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so you are you are an uro main as long as they allowed you to do that oh yeah i mean like I I lived off earnings from Uro in 2020. I think, like, <laughs> I mean, like, most of the money I won, I think, is just directly attributable to, to casting Uro multiple times. Like, if I, I could just rattle off, like, the tournaments that won me money, I, I'm pretty sure, like, 90% of my deck lists and, like, money-winning tournaments just had Uro in them. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of struggling in the in the post-Elder Giant world. Croxa just doesn't do it for me. No, not not quite as busted. Yeah. Well, look on the bright side. There's a whole set of a bunch of blue green cards, so maybe they'll make another mistake and you'll get another hero. Yeah, I mean, like just just to like cap that off, like talking about like the grind, right? Like I, I play so much MPG, and like part of that was made easy by the fact that I was just good at playing Uro decks, and at, at one point I could play like Uro in Modern, Standard, Pioneer, <laughs> you know, and even Historic. So that that was something that I took advantage of, and I'm just getting used to it without you know life without him. <laughs> yep <laughs> i can see the pain in your eyes it's it's very real it's raw <laughs> yeah i know and it's like it's like it's not, it's not something that you can talk about in public because you know i, I, I i'll get shamed for it deservedly but like yeah we've we have all had our broken decks banned out from under us here so you mm -hmm. know we played more kci than anybody in the world 
you know, I'm still mourning the loss of of Faithless Looting and Arclight Phoenix. Like you're 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 in good company here. Yeah, I mean, I have like a I have like a ninety percent finished like the mirror inverter deck for Pioneer oh. in my closet that I built like before <laughs> uh, lockdown. So like I'm just like I just I never want to look at that deck again. Like it's in my closet. I'm never taking it out. Yeah, here's here's a funny story for you. Uh, <laughs> we we played a team tournament where we were pioneers one of the seats me and chris and our pioneer player was just gonna play inverters because we built, we built the deck we got the inverters this was right after theros came out so it wasn't we'd like drive all over the place to get the cards mm-hmm. and we got them we got the deck we flew the thing uh but it was also pro tour phoenix was going on and lotus breach was yeah. huge so we had to switch to that deck and had build a copy of that deck too to play the tournament with, and neither of those uh, decks are legal now. <laughs> yeah, was that the one where, where like you played Dice Tron? No, no, I actually played Lotus Bridge in that tournament. We switched oh, players. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. We had to put Lee into the Pioneer seat to play the fiddly tap on tap combo deck. That was a necessary maneuver for our team. We were talking about tapping on tapping too soon. <laughs> yeah some some drama lately yeah. some some magic online uh some s- really sketchy behavior on the part of certain moto grinders the mtg uh, grindcast yeah. condemns all slow play and scuffiness <laughs> take that to the bank we do yep and 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 also the excuse of like i'm doing tap on tap because my opponent takes too much clock is uh, a particularly anemic excuse for that. It's really a good guy with a gun situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Just be be cool. Don't don't abuse game mechanics for it's it's nonsense. Yeah, and then don't don't like don't defend it under the guise of like moral superiority. superiority. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <sighs> oh man. One format that you cannot play on Magic Online mm-hmm. is Historic. I don't know. So I assume you did not have a lot of Historic experience going into prep for this tournament. Yeah, for better or for worse, you can't play it on Magic Online. Uh, and I, I did not have that much experience because like I was a like locked-in Soltai player in Historic. Like I just played it in like every single event possible, except, weirdly enough, the last set championship where I played Rakdos Sacrifice. Like I don't know why I did that, but when Uru was legal so yeah um i i guess like there's not as much to talk about in historic because it was pretty clear and i think it's like it's pretty clear to everyone at this point you know if not like a week ago that that some form of the john deck is just like the deck that you should be playing you know it's like you either you either play a john deck or you play like a very hateful deck with like main deck graph diggers cages or main deck yasharns or some combination of all of those cards authority <laughs> of the consoles you, you know like like we were very aware right. of that so I, I i ended up submitting john food um i'm like i'm very happy with that choice like i i found that like my dread horde butchers just weren't cutting it so i cut them and um there like there is a card that we found in testing um so I also did some prep work with my Swagoi team. Uh, we we welcomed the winner of the of season four of the Venus and Mercury League, uh, Kabir or Hodgepodge, mm-hmm. um, as she's mm-hmm. known. And you know she was very high on the Jun Food deck, so I I'm definitely like 
grateful for the work that she did and the work we did on that together. Like the card that I'm super high on in that in that deck is Binding the Old Gods. I mean, it, it's just a great card, but but I I ended up submitting like two copies of that in the main deck and um, just like the four and the seventy five. It just deals with like the permanents that hate the, out the deck, and it just it lets you use your mana more effectively. It works better, you know. It gives you an additional land for trail, and the what's like the mo- like the coolest thing about it is that it lets you kill Yasharn if you have a Mayhem Devil in play, and the the last chapter of Binding goes off. Like that's something that like we found that actually came up. Yeah, because it where you know the like Mayhem Devil Death Touch and sacrifices. Yeah, it. and then it pings. It, it like it, it's very cool. So I'm I think we're gonna see like we actually saw like a bunch of the Jun Food decks at the last SCG playing that card. So I, that's gonna be like I, I feel like this week weekend is gonna be like the breakout of binding the old gods in historic. No, that makes sense. The fact that it kills Yasharn like coming and possibly going is mm-hmm. is like really really huge it, it just awesome. like creates this bubble where you your opponent just can't play your shard and it'll die instantly <laughs> I, and i don't know exactly what the jun food decks look like in historic now is this a corval deck and not a bolus citadel deck or is bolus citadel even a thing in historic anymore i know it's picked up in in some other formats but uh i catch me up on what the sacrifice decks are doing right now well so i i i it's definitely more of a thing i think in pioneer mm-hmm. and i did see some in the sideboard of uh of historic but i think mainly like you just want the four the four core volts in the 75 mm-hmm. and then you want like some number of of other like bigger cards i think that some of the choices that i saw were like casualties of war i i went with something cheaper like i have a vraska in the sideboard and i just think that that's like very good as a repeatable like cage removal effect or Trail of Crumbs removal effect. Um, but you could definitely go bigger than Corvold. Um, I did see some Citadels, yeah, but I think maybe Casualties might be better, even though I think that that's still a bit clunky. Yeah, I I think this makes a lot of sense. And it, it makes a lot of sense, like, comparing Historic to Pioneer. You know, uh, Bolus of Citadel requires you, mostly requires you to, like, play some Blood Artists in your deck in order for it to be good. Mm-hmm. And that's okay if you are expecting a kind of diverse metagame where Blood Artist like has good spots and stuff. If you're expecting to play against Mayhem Devils all the time, then Blood Artist loses a lot of its uh, attractiveness. Yeah, I mean, like, like the format really revolves around uh, Mayhem Devil, and like that's probably going to be why we won't see that many Goblins decks. Though I'm sure that people will still be bringing that with with like decked out with uh, what's that called? Iron Crag feet, like just. Just to worry, like just to get out Muxus without worrying about having creatures in play. Sure. Did you ever consider any other decks except for Junt Sacrifice? Like, did you ever, for a moment, think you were going to play anything else? Honestly, no. Uh, so, um, I'm actually in the minority, like in in my testing team, playing playing a Junt deck, which is interesting. Um, I guess I'll leave it as like a little bit of a surprise as like as to what the other players ended up on, but. Um, so they thought that they had a decent matchup against Jund while also beating all the other decks. But but to me, it's like all the other decks are just variations of Jund. So I I like for the sake of my my time management, I was just very locked in on Jund for most of the you know the historic testing portion. And it was just a matter of like sure. what what card slots I was interested in. Like I chose not to play Thoughtseize in the main because it's a Trail of Crumbs deck, and I don't understand why you aren't playing more two drops like you could still just play priest even if it's not as good as in a coco deck 
Um, did you try it with Thoughtseize or, or just sort of like theory that one away or, or were you, did you try it and you weren't happy with it? Uh, I did. And, it, and you know, like I, I played against versions of junk food with Thoughtseize uh, and like it's, it's, it's an, it's an awesome card. It's like basically like the best card in historic, but I just wanted to make sure that the, the parts of my deck that I'm playing the deck to take advantage of actually work well. And, you know, there are going to be spots where you just cut claim and bring in Thoughtseize and your trail hits aren't affected. So I think the, I, I felt like that was going to work out a little bit better. I mean, claim is certainly one of the reasons to play the deck in the first place. And you just swap between like, if I'm playing against creatures or not creatures, and that that's a nice, clean swap. I, I also huh. think it's like a really good call out when, like you said, people are playing console, authority of the consoles and graph diggers cage and all these hate cards. Like if people are just playing those in mass, you should probably play the deck that everyone's trying to hate out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that—that that is how I thought of it. So, hopefully, like playing the slightly bigger version will will pay off, and I won't get killed by like Dread Horde Butchers. Because that what that's what happens, right? You like <laughs> you get killed by the card that you didn't respect. If it makes you feel better, I don't <laughs> respect you... Dread Horde Butcher either. Okay, thanks. I'm glad that this is a not respecting Dread Horde Butcher podcast. I'm glad that I made the decision to to come on, even though I didn't know that at the time. Well, I don't know about Chris, but well, I'm, all you had to I'm do was ask. <laughs> okay. No, no. From from the very beginning, I have never been like super pro Dread Horde Butcher. I I've recognized that it like it's unnecessary. Just there's nothing better in that slot if you're trying to be the really aggressive version of the sacrifice deck. Mm -hmm. Like, what can you play as a two in that slot? But I appreciate the, I don't want to be as aggressive. I don't want to have cards that get blanked in the mirrors if they get drawn at the wrong time. And also, like, have all these Korvalds because no matter what my opponent, no matter what hate card my opponent puts into play, like Korvald has the ability to beat them like that that's always an out is to corval them to death yeah and like that that is the kind of like in the end the strength of john food is that like like coco you have like just a bunch of the like cards that work really well together but it just has a little bit more um like standalone power i guess so mm -hmm. like you're, you're kind of doing less work to make your deck your cards good and you know and you never have to spin right. the wheel yeah i mean like like trail of crumbs is like a is like spinning a wheel in like a very safe way it's like it's like i don't know, like penny stocks like you know that you're gonna get something out of it <laughs> right you're never investing four mana and just like maybe you get a lana war elves out of it or whatever like like that yeah, doesn't happen yeah you, you don't need diamond hands or anything to, <laughs> to play trail of crumbs yeah and i mean if if uh if Korvald is your collected company, like that has the benefit of not getting turned off by Grafdigger's Cage, and that's like a pretty gigantic benefit, I, I, I think. Oh yeah, like that, that's like that's definitely a reason. Like pe people are going to be playing main deck Grafdigger's Cages in their, in their control decks. So you know, I think that it, I think that overall the deck is just a little bit less powerful than Coco, but hopefully, like mm -hmm. we'll make up for that with the resilience. I mean, how did you feel? playing the mirrors or pseudo mirrors against those you know the not quite as as heavy versions of the deck did you feel advantaged is that like one of the reasons that you chose this build or and and like kind of what do those matchups turn on i mean a lot of people think that the mirror is a slog and i agree but like i i enjoyed playing like omnath and uro mirrors so i feel like that that's not as big of a problem for me like 
if you if you can you're gonna get coco so if you survive the first coco i think that you're you have a much better shot past that though i mean like the problem really is that like you won't be able to get set up by the time they put two or three drops into play with coco um mm-hmm. you know you can try and control the board with the with the claimant oven early on you know you could like you could lock a butcher with goose but the key is really like what are you going to do after they resolve their first coco and it's you know it'll help you a lot if they just like flip to one drops you know you're going to be able to play corval they're binding their biggest threat so if you if you can get past that first coco and you know the second coco or after that like hopefully you'll be set up in a spot where mm-hmm. you're not as worried about the mayhem devil midnight reaper thing that they that they have going on yeah, the gap between like a a kind of miss Coco and a double mayhem <laughs> devil Coco is like, yeah, it's pretty real. Yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm like I'm like saying this, but obviously, like they're just always gonna put two three drops into play when they cast it against me. So <laughs> always mayhem devil or Shredder. Yeah, <laughs> or Midnight Reaper, like whichever yeah, one sure. they need more. Yeah, of course, whichever one they need more. Yeah, two two out of three of the three drops that they need. <laughs> I mean, anything else that you're thinking about historic? Uh, like, you know, we, we've been looking at this as a pretty focused metagame. There are other decks out there. I mean, there are the Yasharn decks, and there are the blue-white control with, like, main deck Graph Digger's Cage or main deck Authority of the Consoles or whatever. You didn't consider them, but I, I don't know if you have any particular thoughts on their viability or anything like that. Uh, Yeah, I, I like... I the type of deck that I'm most likely to play just just for fun would be blue white control. That sounds mm-hmm. awful and weird, but but like you know if I if I could play any deck that I wanted, it would just be blue white control because I like that style of play. The second deck would be uh, Arcanist. So, but like Arcanist right now is just a worse sack deck, which makes mm-hmm. me sad because like I also play that deck the most in Pioneer. But I mean, hopefully, if if like uh I, I don't know like how welcome banning talk is on this pod but like if if you know if if, it, if they decide if watsi decide decides it's a problem and and decides to ban something i think that those like blue white control and arcanist are going to be like much more viable though i don't i don't even know that it needs necessary like it needs action necessarily what makes arcanist a worse version of the sacrifice decks is it just vulnerability to the same hate cards or like what what exactly makes it just not worth playing uh yeah, so it's it's, it's like it definitely that, and and because like the the bigger creatures in in the sack deck just like they they're kind of hard to deal with. Like you can definitely run the you know the the claim the claim train with your arcanist, but like <laughs> w- when they get to the point where they're where they're cocoing like two three drops into play, then they untap and play another three drop. Like it gets much harder to control that. So coco is definitely a problem. And even the food version, it's like Carvold is basically unkillable. It just has like hexproof unless you have like a exactly a spark <laughs> harvest or maybe like a blood chief's thirst and a and a bunch of mana. So like mm. without cards, like well, I guess Colgan's command is not like a huge deal, but it, it definitely would help the deck grind like grind a bit more and something like a Dreadbore. So Bedevil's fine, but like I, I tend to like having I, I, I like having Dreadbore more in my in my Pioneer sideboard to help deal with things like that. You can only put so many Bedevils into your deck. They're so because, expensive. Like, yeah, you want to kill Corvald, but you can't put a bunch of three mana removal spells in your Yeah. Your, I mean like deck. the best option is like Angrath's Rampage and I mean like they uh. they have they have food tokens, so it, it 
it doesn't even get the oven and it can't hit trails it, it's it's just a mess like yeah yeah that seems really rough just not having an actual like main deckable in decent numbers like terminate effect for corval like that's that sounds kind of rough yeah i mean thoughtsies is great having having access to like four thoughtsies and four fatal push and then being just good in your deck is like definitely a reason to play the deck but right now i don't think it's you know it's in, in a great spot sure sure that makes sense so we talked some about your testing team. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Swagoy? I know, like, last time we spoke, I don't believe you had uh, joined that team yet. So I, you know, I don't know if there's anything specifically you want to talk about, but I know that you're on that team. You've been working with them a lot. And I don't know how many of our listeners be, like, familiar with it. So, you know, I just want to give you space to talk about any of that stuff that you want to. Oh, sweet. So, uh, Swagoy is a is an esports team um, based in North America, and uh, they have teams for for Magic and Hearthstone and Valorant. And I apologize to Swagoy if I'm missing anything, but um, they they opened up applications for new members about eight months ago or something. And you know, I had just got like I had just gotten off like doing well at the SCG thing that qualified me for the PT. So I felt like you know it would be a good opportunity to apply, and I went through a kind of an intense interview process but uh i got in and um i think i mean the the main things that i want to mention are that are that a the, the team has been like so great like having a team has been so great for my development you know just learning how to not just improving at you know at playing but also just like having this structure and support group that will you know help keep you accountable and will, that will help you know Im- improve the things you want to work on like we have a weekly meeting we have like regular playtest sessions and you know it's it's just great having like a group of friends who are you know who are actually invested in you doing well and then the other thing and i get like i'm kind of trying to like spin it into a lesson so that it's not just you know all about me is that like it's like it's just so important to take advantage of the opportunities that that you're given and i think that like if i've done well in the past year like it's not because like i'm some insane magic grinder or whatever it's just because that i've i've joined pretty much every tournament that i've you know been able to so i think that like that was really key in in helping me qualify for things and i've also mentioned it before but just being able to to get to get started with the lotus box stuff and doing well there and then like you know, like rolling that into doing well at the SCG and then doing well in some Magic Online events. It's really just about playing as much as you can and like meeting players who are better than you and improving there. So hopefully, like, even when we go back to Paper Magic, which I'm sure, you know, I hope that we do. I hope I get to play Paper Magic again one day. I hope that there's there's still going to be a, a kind of strong online component because I think that there's definitely room for, for both of those things. Yeah, one, and I don't, I don't want to derail all your point, but I'll hop out at the end. The, I, I hope like i don't think scg once we get paper magic back is going to keep doing like their online qualifier things but i really hope that someone picks that up like the online qualifiers yeah. that feed into something like anyone i don't channel fireball whoever like wants to pick that up and then just starts running that because it's so good it's so helpful for everyone yeah yeah I, yeah i mean i'm i'm i guess i'll choose to be optimistic but i i've also seen like i think I don't know if, if they've just started promoting it more, but I have noticed more Japanese tournament organizers holding mm-hmm. uh, events on MTG Melee. So, you know, I think that it'll be great to just have different ways to play Magic 
Um, Because, you know, it's it's not going to exactly go back to normal, right? Mm -hmm. Like, people are still going to be home, I think, more than normal, unless, like, you're from Florida or whatever. Uh, (laughs) Well, and there's still going to be all these players in Japan and the Philippines and, you know, places where the GPs don't come to very often and stuff who are now used to, oh, I can play competitive magic if I want to. Like, that audience is there. It not only has the audience been built up and, like, shown that they're interested – but the tools have been developed and put into place. MTG Melee didn't exist, and it probably would not have launched when it did, except that it had to. And so the fact that these tools exist and there is that interest, like I, I do hope that it will be a little bit self-sustaining and, and keep itself going. Yeah, definitely. Like Watsi has a lot of data from from like the past, I guess, year and some change. So like if if they think that it it's gonna be good for them like they they should take the lead in supporting organizers i mean they i think that they they've they have worked with like the vml uh the, you know the winner of the vml for the past two seasons has gotten a, a like a set championship invite so mm-hmm. you know hopefully they recognize that online play on arena is just something that people want um and they, they can just continue supporting that yeah i i really hope so i think that while no paper magic is bad for the game the online tournaments have been good for the game. So that both of those things can be true simultaneously. We can I just think. take everything we've learned in a year and apply it. That'd be great. I hope so. I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything that we failed to cover, whether it's about prepping for this tournament, anything that you're looking forward to about the experience of it? I know that it's not the same as going to, you know, a paper pro tour mythic championship or anything like that but i don't know how are you how are you feeling about just like the experience of playing in the Kaldheim set championship or does it just feel like sitting at your computer chair for another online magic tournament oh honestly like i i i prefer it this way i mean uh, like from my perspective unless i'm going to be flown out for a pro tour like you know unless they they, they pick up the um the travel award or whatever that they used to have like i'm just like i just prefer this so much because mm-hmm. first of all, like if I travel, I would like to be doing that, you know, for an actual vacation instead of just being completely like anxious about about an event that I have to do well in to justify <laughs> the cost of traveling. Second, it's just very expensive to travel out of my archipelago. So I like am very excited for this tournament and I, I look at it like it's a pro tour. Like, you know, it, it's 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 also just better for me to look at it like it's a big deal, right? Like I I know that people may not like, still may not agree, but like it's still the most in, important event of my career, un, you know, until the next one that I play in. So I I'm very excited to be to be playing in it, and yeah, it's great. I I I can like I look forward to nothing more than sitting at my computer for like three days next weekend and like playing Magic. So now you have to. Be, you have to finish in the top 16 challengers again in order to qualify for the next one here, right? Yes. Or, and okay. like in in fact, I narrowly missed out on the a spot in the challengers gauntlet. I don't know what the challengers gauntlet is, but I know <laughs> that it's something that I want to be in. So that you get into that by being like one of the top eight finishers, one of the top eight challengers. So I was the the tenth ranked challenger. So. I would very much like to to do better than than I did like at the Zendikar thing. Like one win more, I think going eleven and four instead of ten and five. I could be wrong about the number of rounds. Like will get me into the challenges gauntlet, whatever that is. 
Sure. That doesn't start until after the next set championship, though, I don't think, right? Yeah, so I, I think I have, like, if not this one, then I have, like, one more shot to get there. And and it is shots. It is individual shots. Like, you can't string together good performances and then add those together and then get, like, it's just, like, you, you have a chance each time to hit what you need to hit. Um, yep. I mean, the, so. the, the only, like... The only like way around that is if someone who who finished in the top eight challengers finishes in the top eight challengers again, and then an invite would pass down in this event. So it's just like you just right. you just gotta like do well in this one event. Yeah, but that's not you like adding together points for multiple events. That's just like a stroke Good of fortune, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, fate from the heavens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, certainly there are flaws to be identified and fixed within the system. And and the one that, that sticks out pretty significantly is that like consistently doing consistent, solid performances don't really get you anywhere. It's just like each tournament is a new, like you gotta, you gotta do very well in this tournament and then you gotta do very well in this tournament. And, and I wish that uh, something rewarding consistent success uh, existed a little more. Yeah, that would that would definitely be nice. Well, we will definitely be rooting for you. Oh, awesome. this weekend, Thanks. certainly a, a handful of people that I would like to see do well. But in 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 particular, I I will be keeping an eye on you and standings. And if you get on camera, then I I will be very excited yeah. to see you play. Same. So, yeah, I would I would like love uh, a feature match like that. That is another one of my goals. Like a like a like a Magic Channel feature match would would be awesome. Well, the trick definitely. is to get paired against someone in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I did, I did that a bunch in the last event, and I didn't, you know, you didn't get one. I, unfortunately, I, I got, yeah, I got, I got like, I was paired at X three or something, so didn't get there. I did lose the the BV in the last round, and that's what knocked me out of the challenger gauntlet. But I guess that there are worse players to lose to. Yeah, if you had to pick someone you were not favored against, it would it would definitely be PV. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the uh, consensus and a. Pretty much unquestionable best player of all time is probably okay to lose to every once in a while if you have to. Not not yeah. this weekend though. That, that, I want you to crush him if you play. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, definitely. well it's yeah. Re- I'll, I'll get my revenge on on that random Brazilian <laughs> magic player. <laughs> Type in the Discord. Do you remember me? Remember me? <laughs> I don't. Uh, he's just like I don't even know who you are. <laughs> this is a nonsense aside that like doesn't really have much to do. Well, it has a little bit to do with what we've been talking about. The fact that PV was able to be as successful as he has been starting out in like early mid 2000s, like playing paper magic out of Brazil and then being able to crush the way that he like, it just doesn't make any sense, man. It, it doesn't make any sense that the, the, the way he's been able to do this, he had like every single disadvantage and it just didn't matter. I, I don't know. It's just hard for me to not like pay my respects to PV and then his abilities. So oh yeah, I mean like I I definitely like that definitely inspires me to try to do better like coming from here. And I mean while we're mentioning PV, like I I also like have a lot of respect for Li Shitian because he's mm-hmm. another. I mean he is like the South East the Southeast Asian. I guess not like Hong Kong. I mean it, it, but like. You know he's like the 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 sickest magic pro close to me, so I you know I, I definitely root for him in any event that he's playing in. It's hard not to root for the people who you you see and you know 
just have these like systemic disadvantages like lined up against them and you're just you yeah. see them do well and you're like wow that's that's I mean, pretty cool just like a quick a quick story about Li Shitian. like uh, he, he did tweet about it but i don't know how many people know it's like he he while i think last like in 2019 i was at uh gp taiwan i think i think it was taiwan and he announced on twitter that he would be at the event but he wouldn't be playing like he actually went to the event to like listen like to basically consult with Lots with with magic players from that yeah for i mean magic players mm-hmm. from that region to like get their feedback and to like sort of like let them air their grievances or whatever about about op in that area so like that's just like such a strong like community like building move that like i just have so much respect for that yeah i remember reading about that yes that's like someone who's really really good for the community yeah well any closing thoughts anything we didn't hit on that you have been thinking about and would like to take this opportunity to talk about honestly like floor is open anything that you want to talk about is totally fine uh well the closest thing i'd have to like a magic you know an advocacy in magic so just like just don't be a dick on magic online like like like, seriously (laughs) like let's expand this just don't be a dick Yeah, I mean, yes, like definitely don't be a dick. I think I actually think that it like it takes effort, right? It takes effort to be a, a salty, angry person on Magic Online and like in in melee chat. Like I've seen like salty MTG melee chats. Like why? Like did you know that when you get paired against the same person at the future event, you can see your chat history? <laughs> so like like <laughs> your 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 opponent will get to see that time that you salted off at them for drawing like the nuts it's gonna be there next time it's just very funny when i'm playing online i will get like upset or frustrated at something and i will actually start typing something and i'll at a certain point like halfway through my tirade i'll be like this is stupid what am i doing i'll just delete it (laughs) like what am i gonna do argue with this person for two minutes like that sounds such like a waste of time i've done that I've, I've i've done that too like there's definitely like like a secret vault of like of Inixtrad being salty like one or two times in Moto Chat, like you know, hopefully, like hopefully someone doesn't like doesn't like bust it out when 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 I like I get into rivals or something. Hopefully, it's nothing too bad. Just like uh, they're saving it to um, cancel you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's just someone who just has the the Inixtrad tapes or whatever. It is there. There is something to like. I so rarely I like. Certain very specific things can frustrate me when I am playing in, in Paper Magic, but you're very much reminded by the presence of your opponent that you're playing against another human being who's just there to play the same game that you enjoy playing. And it, for me, it's really hard to get more than like mildly annoyed by something bad happening when I know that I'm just playing with somebody. Uh, when you're playing, especially just like sitting there playing Arena, like it is easy to like remove yourself from that and just be like everything bad that happens er, like every th- time you get unlucky it's easy to just like let that grate on you and like mm-hmm. i i get so much saltier when i'm sitting at my computer alone playing magic than i ever would playing with my friends or playing fnm or playing at an open i so i get it just like the faceless opponent like getting lucky against you it's just like man this is completely bs but then once you like lean over and start typing i feel like like once you're typing you're acknowledging like there is somebody on the other side of that computer screen so maybe like think about that for a second before you hit enter yeah just just don't be a dick like yeah 
Yep, I I agree. It takes so much less effort than the alternative too. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> just hit him with a good game and then just like like saltily requeue into the next match. Hopefully into the same person. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean it is magic online. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can't it can't be helped. Well, you know, that is why the cube queues are so long is to keep people from so so you know there were these like shenanigans in leagues where people would queue into each other and collude in order to like maximize their prizes from entering leagues and so the magic online solution to that has been let a bunch of people enter the queue and then eventually pair people but it just means it takes two minutes to play any match so it's it's not quite a full solution. I think that's about it for us today. Nick, thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate your time. Um, it has been super cool to talk with you. Just just thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. Like I've, I really enjoyed it. Hopefully uh, I can come back on at some point like when I've made Rivals or won a PT or whatever. <laughs> You are you are welcome at any time, and especially in order to celebrate you making rivals or winning a PT. Like absolutely, 100%. honestly, if you beat PV awesome. this weekend and want to come on, we'll have you again. <laughs> we'll just talk about that for a while. Sure. Yeah, I, I'll I'll get ready for that. I'll I'll make it happen. So where awesome. where can people find you? Well, right now you can pretty much only find me uh, at Inextrad MTG on Magic uh, on Twitter. Yeah, I'm in Extra on Magic Online. If you want to find me there, I guess you could, but I don't know why you would do that. Just to be salty at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is on Twitter. At Lee McLeo. Uh, if you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash MTG Grindcast. We do pay our guests, so any support you give to us helps us get cool guests like Nick on the show. And... That's really it for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And have a great week. Thanks, everyone.